Welcome to Haber Bros, a podcast for historic, cross-centered Christians. We seek to provide ancient answers to a culture that's forgotten the questions. Thank you for listening to us this week. If you like what you're hearing or enjoy the show, please share it with a friend and say positive, glowing things about us on Twitter and Facebook. If you haven't yet given us a five-star review, pause your recording and go and do so. Give us a five-star rating and give us a sparkling, glowing, lavish review. Follow us on Twitter at, at @clergylay and join our Facebook discussion group. I'm Kirk Haberman, a church musician, and this is my brother, Chris, a priest. And welcome to a special abbreviated vacation edition of Haber Bros, because I am recording from, well, not quite sunny, but certainly hot Orlando, Florida, on the cusp of five days of Disney. And Chris, well, he is not. Chris, how are you? I'm great, Kirk. I just hope our listeners do not get too accustomed to this abbreviated thing because, listener, we are coming back in full force, uh, if not next week, then the week after. And it's going to be, we're going to make up for lost time. Uh, well, a listener and a good friend of mine, uh, Father Joe Gasberry, has commented that sometimes um, our, our podcasts are like a, like a lavish, lengthy, three-course meal, which is great, but, but uh, takes a while and is quite filling. So this is, um, this is more like brunch or like, a, like, like coffee and a light breakfast, um, because today we'll have no theology and no culture segment. Um, we'll just we'll just tackle the gospel. I apologize uh, for diminished sound quality. I do not have mic a microphone, so I'm just like yelling at my MacBook. <laughs> and um, you're not you're not in your podcast studio either. <laughs> indeed, aka my bedroom, uh, and not my bed our our bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> it's your bedroom. Your wife just gets to stay there. <laughs> somehow, like did it's did it somehow settle into your head like that? Um, uh, Kim and I have like twin beds, like a 1950s sitcom, or uh, or, or am I conflating stories? Well, any, any no, 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 no. We, we it was we were looking at a vacation property, and I just I just made the the crack about like, well, we should make you guys stay in the room <laughs> with two twins, so you can be like a 1950s couple sleeping in separate. Good beds. night, Kimberly. Good night, <laughs> Kirk. Light goes off. Um, and and uh, you may hear. Uh, um, the the jovial sound of children in the background because uh, the walls and the the door here are are resort doors you know they're not super thick and and we're at a resort in Orlando Florida Kirk yeah God bless you uh, uh, as a teacher um, you have the the luxury of time off mm. but not the luxury of of earthly riches um, so you are enduring 
a lot of driving. So yeah. uh, you drove from from your home near Pittsburgh down to Orlando. Yes. And at the at, at the at the conclusion of your time in Orlando, you will make the drive not to Pittsburgh but to uh, the Twin Cities in Minnesota, um, which I just looked up. That's um, more than 1500 miles, 1568 right. miles. That's right. Uh, and then you'll drive another four hours north of there um, as we will join you uh, for a vacation up on the Canadian border in God's country. And, uh, and then you'll drive back to Pennsylvania. Have you calculated how many miles this trip is? So it's interesting. Uh, Pittsburgh to Orlando. Uh, well, let me back up. Uh, in 2015, we were going to go to Disney for the first time as a family drive. And a friend asked George, who at that time was four, <laughs> asked George, George, how far is it from <laughs> Disney? And he's like, a thousand miles. <laughs> and so my friend then looked up and it was from our doorstep, it was a thousand and eight miles <laughs> to Magic Kingdom. So it is a thousand miles here. Uh, and then, um, like you said, 1500. And then it's almost precisely a thousand then um, back, back from, home. Uh, from Northern Minnesota. So and, and to give a better miles. to give a better uh, picture of it, it's 1785 miles or 26 hours from Orlando to uh, to your final destination in Minnesota. It's just it's going to be broken up by right. um, stopping in, in Minneapolis. Yeah, yeah. Well, but 1700 miles. Kirk, uh, I assume you're going to spend the night somewhere somewhere between Orlando and Minneapolis. Yes, we're stopping yeah, in St. Louis, stopping? Missouri uh, to see our old friend, the autos. Oh, wow. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, so that that'll be great. That'll yeah. be great. Yeah, yeah. And we uh we left we left Thursday morning. We kind of had a two-parter heading down here. Um, we left at 5 a.m. so we could get to our destination just on the Georgia side, um, just basically like exurban Jacksonville, Kingston, Georgia. Um, so I could hop on a two-hour Zoom meeting on Thursday night. <laughs> <laughs> so I really only was able to kind of relax at like mm. at 9:30. On that day, and then Friday, yesterday, um, we sent you some pictures and video. We drove yes. um, to Canaveral Seashore, which I wasn't. I was anxious, and I was trying. I, I was thinking we're gonna settling into the uh, to a, to a timeshare is a whole thing, and you have to go through their spiel and check in, and then we gotta get groceries, and then we gotta pick up my mother and father in law at the airport, and I was anxious, and only when we got at the Canaveral Seashore was I finally able to enjoy yesterday when mm. I realized. First of all, um, it's a wildlife preserve. So we were seeing um, mm. everywhere. We're seeing like uh, reptiles and turtles and beautiful birds. And did you see in the video, Christopher, from the beach as we were swimming, we saw, um, uh, well, the Saturn, uh, the, I think it was both the shuttle and I, I don't want to speak out of ignorance and I probably am. I, I don't know which launch site, but we were, could see the Canaveral launch site as we were swimming. Which I mean, you you and I have been watching for all mankind, um, and I watched on Disney Plus recently the what's the the adaptation of the Tom Wolfe novel? Uh, right stuff. Yeah, the right stuff, the adaptation of that. So, I've been soaking in kind of the Saturn missions and the Apollo missions, and um, uh, that's been super cool. So that was neat to see that, and I've never seen that. Um, we hmm. didn't go. Um, I guess it's uh, the Kennedy Space Center is laugh out loud. Uh, expensive. It's like $60 mm. a person. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Right. 
<laughs> so like we'd be looking at $360 just to walk in the door for my family. So we didn't do that, but we saw it while we were swimming. And yeah. and um, I, I don't think we were in the sun for more than two hours, um, <laughs> but we didn't pack sunscreen that first day. The kids, oddly, the kids are okay. Even even our, our pastiest too, Bryden and Daphne, but, but Kim and I are a little hurting. Mm. Um, so so that's always a foolish to start a southern vacation um without sunscreen on day one so question does does aldi sell sunscreen or did you did you have to break down Answer. And go to... of course it does <laughs> <laughs> um however um no lotion or aloe well mm. not, not no aloe or i didn't see it so so we we broke out the old coconut oil but i'm gonna i'm gonna need to to medicate somehow here so just before uh, Kirk makes an awesome transition here, uh, I'm going to say that uh, if I'm the Costco stan, Kirk is, is, is the Aldi stan. And I guess I'm using a term that I didn't even know a couple years ago. So if you don't know what a stan is, it's like um, we uh, are de devotees. How about that? Is that, is that not yet a trope here on, on this podcast? I know in real life, my, um, my, my shameless- legend. Aldi oh, you, Aldi standing yeah. is is kind of a trope, <laughs> and, and I think your it's same thing with my Costco. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, like and I course, unironically love it. Yeah, yeah. The thing the thing with um, Aldi standing is, um, I, I, I publicly trumpet it, and then and then privately I get upset with Aldi, like because okay they don't have everything. Oh um, yeah. Over the course of a year they'll have everything, but there are certain things in that in that in that Aldi sure. random aisle. Like it'll only have like only three or six months of the year will have that thing, right? And and so the, oh yeah, the well and, and they get certain certain like, seasonal items. I remember you, Kirk, you had this uh, amazing popcorn seasoning. Yes. And I was like, where did you get that? You said Aldi, and I went to my Aldi, and I like, I was I was like, I want. They're like, oh, I remember we had that a few months ago, but it might come back. I get it. Well, you know, it's there next year. Yeah. Yeah. Or like sometimes you'll go to get grab baking soda, and they won't have baking soda. Why? Because sometimes they don't have baking soda. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. But of course they had sunscreen in Florida in June, so so uh, so we're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. Um, and um, I'm in I'm in pain, so I'll try to again. This is a theme, Christopher, of me very like summoning up courage and strength to soldier <laughs> on um, through difficulties and medical issues and 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 pain here. Um, however, I don't think I. I, I don't have as much pain as a man who's been shackled in caves and chains cutting himself. Oh, speaking of caves and chains and cutting himself. Today's gospel comes from Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through chapter 5, verse 20. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were here with them. I'm sorry, were with them. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so the boat was already filling. 
But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this? that even the wind and the sea obey him. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him and crying out with a loud voice, he said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? He replied, my name is Legion for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs. Let us enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had had the legion sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the kings and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with the demons begged him that he might be with him. He did not permit him, but said no to him. Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and everyone marveled. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So this is a, a lengthier passage. Yes. And and a few weeks ago, we had sort of three stories in one that wasn't a passage this long. Uh, and so uh, we've got a bit of substance here to, to work our way through. Uh, so maybe we'll just do the first segment and I'll do the first segment and then kind of toss to you, Kirk. So I'm just not talking through the whole passage <laughs> sure, and then sure. leaving that for you. So we'll play, uh, play a little uh, biblical uh, tennis here. Back and yeah. Forth. So... Um, as we begin, it's a very simple story, uh, this, this first one, that um, Jesus had been teaching, and uh, he raised such a stir with his teaching that oftentimes he had to, uh, to withdraw in certain ways, and sometimes miraculously, like one time he passes through their midst. Um, yeah, in John. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, sometimes it's like the, the only way to get away is to get in a boat and, and to go across the other side. And I think it's in Matthew. I think last year we read, uh, as we were working our way through Matthew, how like, yeah, he crossed to the other side, but then they found him fairly quickly. 
Um, but uh, to go across the other side, um, we'll see he's going to enter, enter a Gentile country. Um, but but uh, before he does, he, he, they're, they're crossing the lake, the Sea of Galilee, and uh, we see that there are other boats with him. Um, and this is kind of evidence of, of eyewitnesses. Um, a windstorm arises. Uh, he's sleeping. And they wake him up. He calms the storm. And they marvel, who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So that's like the simple story. He gets in a boat. In the midst of crossing the lake, a storm comes up. Uh, the disciples are in great fear. And they, they wake him up. Now, uh, there's a lot um, in this simple story. There's just a lot of deep stuff. First of all, um, the Sea of Galilee, it, it was common for great uh, storms to come up um, in a hurry. And this is oftentimes, uh, Kirk, you've heard it said how like um, the people who are uh, in the know oftentimes are the ones who are terrified, right? Like these, these, some of these men were fishermen and they knew the, uh, the violent storms that could arise very quickly and they knew what, uh, what this would mean for them. So it'd be easy for you or I to say, oh, well, like, why, why are they scared? Well, they're scared because they know that like this means death to them. <laughs> like uh, they've probably been in storms like this and, and were, were felt counted themselves lucky to be able to get out of the storm. Um, and uh, we see it's interesting in the Gospels how we have many parallels to to Jonah, right? Mm. Uh, of course, um, the, speaking the, of which, the, the biggest parallel, yeah. Did did you see the news story recently of the man who was swallowed by a humpback whale? <laughs> I did, yes. Yeah. And then like the the after picture of him, you know, in in a hospital bed with all these monitors on, but giving the thumbs up. <laughs> did did you not think that's proof? <laughs> it can happen. <laughs> Right. yeah yeah <laughs> i did not think it's proof because i i mean it's interesting each week as uh i prepare to preach on a text or even prepare for if i'm not preaching on the gospel text i'll still read um these books called commentaries so these scholars who who know these uh know the text very well and no other scholarly writing on it um they put their their thoughts together uh, sequentially in, in what's called a commentary. And so I can just open to, to analyze a certain passage and, and could get all kinds of like amazing scholarship on it. And, and uh, many of the, the scholars commented on, felt the need to kind of talk about uh, the skepticism. And this is maybe coming out of the enlightenment. Um, there was a time, certainly in the first century, the idea of supernatural, power um wielded by jesus was was not a great thing to to wasn't a great pill to swallow it's like oh yeah sure of course he's going to be uh it, it's not that weird to think of that but um most of the scholars felt the need to comment on the supernatural power of jesus in sort of the scientific age mm -hmm. and so even some some uh, skeptical scholars uh oftentimes will have kind of dumb explanations for um for many things on the Sea of Galilee that like maybe they were kind of close to land and uh, just natural explanations. But for me, the, the God who made the universe and everything in it, uh, who created life itself, uh, it's and and certainly the, the supernatural miracle of the resurrection, uh, the same God who did that, calming a storm is nothing and and gives validity to the question, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Well, 
it's 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 uh god incarnate yeah that's who it is yeah and, and which is that which is what we're supposed to take from this story so so anyway like I've, I've never had an issue with uh jonah in the belly of a great of a fish like okay like it happened because god god made it happen and also it's it's an understanding the the the, the biggest parallel for that um is is in in the death and resurrection of jesus christ right yeah and that we have all in our baptism, even the the symbolism of the immersion of baptism of being plunged beneath the water is a symbol of death and resurrection and being raised with Christ, uh, as Paul discusses it in, in the book of Romans, that we are um, in our baptism. We are united with Jesus in his death and resurrection. And then symbolically, we are plunged beneath the water um, symbolizing death to sin and, and new life in Christ as, as we are pulled out of the water. Uh, water has a ton of symbolism and uh, Jonah in the belly of a great fish for three days. Who else was, who else was uh, underground in a tomb for three days before emerging? Wait a minute. Was it Jesus? It's Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's the big parallel, but then right. we have a parallel to this story that uh, just like Jonah, um, we have a Jonah asleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as a as a storm arises and um sailors are terrified they know the danger and the main character is sleeping and so uh we, we have another parallel here and but whereas uh, yeah. but whereas with jonah so jonah is is an imperfect type and then christ is the mm-hmm. fulfilled type mm-hmm. or jonah's the antitype right jo- jonah on his own cannot calm the storm right um, but 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 has to be be cast overboard indeed yeah Right. And, and symbolizing death and resurrection uh, as, as the solution for sin. Right. 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 Pointing to that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The gospel in the old Testament yet again. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, so Martin Luther uh, writing on this uh, talks about how there are other boats with him. Yeah. Uh, I noticed he that supposes, for the first time ever. This yeah. reading. Perhaps, uh, he supposes that, that the storm was, was supernatural um, and, and the, the, the word used for the storm, the Greek word is, is a word that indicates, uh, something severe, like a tornado, not, not just a, a typical like windstorm. I, I don't know, uh, but like something, something intense and perhaps even supernatural. And, and what Luther suggests is that it's possible that these other boats just, uh, calm, like sailed calmly on that, that this, this engulfed perhaps just this boat. And and kind of the, uh, the the apex, I guess, of, of this story. As if there was almost a didactic point to this. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And so um, he rebukes the wind and the sea, um, and he turns to his disciples. Why are you so afraid? Rhetorical question, right? Because, <laughs> like, it's obvious, like, why they're afraid, like, they're fishermen and they know that this means death. Like the, 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 the boat is filling. This is going to be swamped. They're, they're going down. But the point that he's saying <laughs> is, is the reason it's rhetorical is that like, he's pointing to himself. Have you still no faith? Uh, is that like, you're with me, you're with me. And so, uh, you know, faith is, is a word that is used a lot in the New Testament. We talk about um, how Paul writes that we are saved by grace through faith. He writes that in, that's Ephesians, right? Uh-huh. 
And in the book of Romans, he talks about how we are justified by faith, that we are declared righteous. Um, on the last day in the eternal courtroom, every, we read in First uh, in Second Corinthians last week that everyone will sit uh, in the judgment seat of Christ before you know Christ to be judged. And, and to our be fair, Saint Paul gets that from Genesis. It's there in the very <laughs> beginning. Abraham's uh, faith was reckoned to him as righteousness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. So he's not the inventor of this new. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and our plea will not be, "Well, I lived a good life. I did all I could. I did my best." Um, our, our plea will be essentially no contest. Like we, uh, and then like, we'll remember, ah, ah, my plea is Jesus Christ and his righteousness, which is reckoned, which is counted as my own, which is imputed to me. It's considered uh, my own. And so uh, we talk about faith in that way. And then in, in other ways, we talk about um what faith in Christ looks like practically, like how do we live out this faith? It's not just an intellectual, uh, it's not just an intellectual assent to a, a set of ideas, right? It's not saying I agree with all the right statements. I am for that. <laughs> That's not what faith is, is it, Kirk? It is not. Um, that, faith that we fe faith is um, trust, not mm checking um certain doctrinal boxes indeed yeah yeah and um so this is like where the question it's it's not always appropriate for us to turn when we read scripture we want to understand what is happening on the page in that context but then like we do at some point want to turn and say what does this mean to me so first we say what what, what did it mean to those involved in the story so what, what does this mean for the disciples? But here, uh, so, so first, let's do that. What does this mean for the disciples? It means that like they need not fear for their lives because they are with the author of life. That, that their being close to Jesus means safety for them, right? And uh, also, I might say a little bit as we talk about um, the Gerasene demoniac um, about how uh, this has a very distinct meaning to the early church that the first uh hearers and readers of of this gospel who are persecuted um who are facing physical danger to to trust and to take solace in 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 being jesus christ and in fact um uh kirk uh in evangelicalism they uh the the terminology they use for the church building um, is is a little bit confused, isn't it? Uh, oh, interesting. Where are you going with mm, this? Mm, yes. So the, the the place where the people are during a service, oh, they call, they the call sanctuary. a sanctuary. A sanctuary. Yeah. Yeah. Where, yep. in fact, classically for you know, two thousand years, um, the sanctuary is in fact the place up by the altar, and there's right. a gate um, separating the sanctuary from the nave. Nave. Which the nave from... is where the people sit from it's it from a boat yes and in fact it's a naval it's, term yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah so the nave is where the people sit in, in a church and um if you look up at the ceiling of a church um it it look well it depends on your church but like classical churches um ha have a ceiling that looks kind of like the bottom of a boat and that's very intentional that like when the storms of life are raging um we find protection 
in the boat, right? That we find our, our protection inside the church. We find protection with Jesus inside the boat. And it's not that the, that, uh, I mean, there's a lot of, the, the sea is a dangerous and scary place. Like the, the, uh, the, the Jews are not known for as a seafaring people. The Phoenicians to the north of them were known as, as a seafaring people. And Kirk, isn't there, aren't there like Phoenician boats off the coast of Brazil or something? Like they, they went all over the world. Like the Phoenicians were great, but they, they uh, did. They were like the Portuguese 1500 years before the yeah, Portuguese. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but um, the, the Jews were, were not a seafaring people. Yes. They could go on the sea of Galilee, um, this inland lake, um, saltwater, uh, but, um, but, but generally like the sea was thought to be a, a dangerous place, but the boat in the midst of a, of a sea is a safe place. And so that's, that's what I want to emphasize here is, is the safety of being near Jesus in the nave. Um, and then today that's, so that's point one, um, find safety and security with Jesus, um, in the nave, in the boat of the church. Well, and, and, uh, and St. Peter yeah. um, in First Peter mm-hmm. makes yes, an even yes. more potent connection. Were you going there? I wasn't, but that's a good connection. <laughs> Where he says for, I'm paraphrasing here, but he says, um, just as back in the day, um, an ark uh, saved Noah and his family from God's destruction. So baptism now saves you. So when we were entered into the faith through baptism, right? Um, the church becomes that ark that now saves us um, yes. from the from the just wrath of God. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that's point one. Uh, point two um, uh, is simply, uh, you listener today, um, what is it that you put your trust in? And and I don't want to hammer this point uh, too hard because um, I I encourage you to buy insurance, <laughs> insure your property. <laughs> Um, start a Roth IRA, um, invest for your future. Um, however, however, um, do not do so apart from your trust in God in all ways. God is the one we trust for our ultimate safety. God is the one we trust, uh, for our ultimate security. And it is God who provides. And last year we read through, um, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, um, uh, through seven, uh, where he talks about, um, do not be anxious about your life. Um, God will seek first the kingdom and then all these things that the food, the clothing, um, the security, God will provide those things. Um, but what we ought to do is, is seek God in his kingdom first. Yeah. Christopher, <laughs> you, uh, waxed rather, uh, eloquent and thoroughly, um, on these six verses. <laughs> um, did I leave a... nothing for you? Well, no, 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 no. Okay, so I, <laughs> I've, as is my want, I have questions for you. Ah, uh, yes. Stump um, the chump, huh? <laughs> what is up with the disciples' question, man? Mm. Uh, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Uh, I mean, my only insight here, and maybe you can tell me more, is like, um, travails bring out the worst in us often, right? So they mm. had left everything to follow him, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like they had taken a huge step, uh, you know, walked away from their nets, right? And um, and now they're like, hey, don't you even <laughs> care? Hey, remember when we did this thing for you? Like, are you just going to let us die? Yeah. Do you have any insight any other than that? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, 
in some ways it's a natural reaction. Maybe not the tone of what they said, <laughs> but he's sleeping. Do you not care? Yeah. Yeah. And this inbreaking of the kingdom that Jesus is showing by commanding the, the wind and the waves. Um, remember, this is this is early in the ministry. Yeah. And and, and this and then, of course, the next story of, of commanding a, a legion of demons. Uh, like they're just learning about like you know, when they ask this, this next uh, question, who then is this? Who is this guy that we're following? Um, uh, that's indication that they don't quite yet know who he is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, um, so teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? You're sleeping. Hello? <laughs> um, I, I think there's a, a very natural and very human, like uh, uh, seeking of preservation, not realizing quite who Jesus Christ is even as they had witnessed the voice of God yeah. uh, in his, in Christ's baptism, uh, it's, yeah. it's still, um, it, it takes time, which is interesting, uh, especially based on the next story. Like one of the things that I'm going to emphasize in the next story uh, is, you know, we often refer to in, in the gospel of John, is it, is it John two? No, it's John four, sorry, where Jesus meets the Samaritan woman at the well. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're like, oh, she's the first missionary, right? That she goes back and proclaims um, Jesus to all the yeah. people that will listen. And here, this demoniac, this guy who, who had been cutting himself and who could not be restrained, he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and everyone marveled. Here we, again, we have this early missionary who doesn't go to seminary. You know, he, you mm-hmm. know, five minutes ago, he was gashing wounds in himself. Um and yet Jesus has this lengthy ministry of immersion with his disciples. And in Luke, we see this gradual um, teaching of like, he, he sends them out and then brings them back in kind of, uh, it's kind of action reflection type of immersion where uh, he, they, they immerse themselves in what it means to follow Jesus. And then he sends them out and then they come back and they've got questions. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, we tried to, we saw someone casting out demons, you know, what do we do with that? Um, so, uh, are yeah, you, I think are you just, pivoting to that second section? I know I'm not. I'm just <laughs> what, I, I'm trying to answer your question of of like uh, this is a process for the for these disciples to to kind of understand who it is that Jesus is and like a very real fear in the midst of the storm. Like, don't you care? You're you're asleep. It'd be one thing if you were awake with us and and like saying calming words, assuring us that we're going to be okay. But you're sleeping. Yeah. So there has to be a, a puckish didn'actic point to Jesus sleeping like it has to be intentional right. not accidental yeah I'm sure yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. um so my uh my, my my other observation my my well I had a question and an insight not an insight an observation the Old Testament lesson uh, for Sunday is job mm-hmm. uh, 38 uh, job's an interesting book you have um you, you have sort of the uh the, the you know God and the devil <laughs> um kind of have they have that strange conversation at the beginning of the book um, where, where where God agrees to the devil's terms and the devil essentially ruins Job's life. And then you have, um, uh, you know, several dozen uh, chapters of uh, Job's friends um, kind of waxing philosophical as to the meaning of all these things. And in the 38th chapter, we finally hear from the Lord. Um, the Lord answers Job out of the whirlwind. Um, and, uh, and so this is really analogous, right? You have um, 
just as Job's friends are, are, are speculating in darkness amid the storms of life, you have the disciples who are wondering where God is in the midst of a literal storm. <laughs> you know, don't you care, God, that we're about to die? Um, and like in the, the New Testament lesson, Jesus finally answers and brings clarity, calm, and revelation. So to um, God, um, he has a series of rhetorical questions, but in the rhetorical questions to Job, uh, there, there's, there's, there's some clarity to what's going on in Job's life. Um, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you and, you and you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you had understanding. Uh, skipping a couple of verses, I always love this. Um, where were you when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shout, shout with joy, shouted for joy? Um, meaning meaning um, there is purpose and design to all events and all things. And we can be assured of that um, because the one who, who loves us and plans for us is the same one who created you know, the storms and mm. the sea and the stars. Uh, and the last couple of verses, have you entered into the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? The implication being, of course, that, that God did, right? That there is one who has. Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Declare if you know all this. So when we ask um, questions of God, um, uh, the, the implication is uh, very impudent or or questions in unfaith, in lack of faith, or in panic, or fear. Um, uh, the one who made us is the one who made all those things and, and holds us in his hands. And you, of course, you made the connection with um, the Beatitudes, right? Uh, the, the, the birds of the air, the lilies of the field, like they don't worry about tomorrow. Um, how much more does God care for us? And so, so we should not as well. Um, but, but we have spent a lot of time on these six verses <laughs> christopher very, so very briefly you gotta go ahead yeah we gotta get our money's worth though since there's only one segment right right so geo jesus heals a man with a demon i don't know if you have this uh same reaction to this passage this is one of the earlier stories gospel stories that i remember as a child being quite striking and, and it, it, it can be quite striking to a child, right? It's, it's, it's full of striking images, right? You have this crazy man. Um, he lives in <laughs> tombs, right? Mm -hmm. And you can picture him like being bound up with chains uh, and, and that doesn't work. So he has like these shackles um, that, and with chains dragging behind him and he wrenches them apart. Um, and he's screaming in the tombs and in the mountains and cutting himself. Well, and, and I'd imagine he's a Kirk. I'd imagine he's a public menace. Like right. if he's just going <laughs> to hang out in the tombs. Um, that's not that big of an issue. Right. But like mm -hmm. they would have to bound bind him if he's in town. Cause like he's probably hurting people and, and, and just a yeah. menace. To, and yeah, so they can't control him. So they had to banish him. Yeah. Uh, and then we have this common theme when uh, in, there are several times in the gospels where Jesus encounters um, a possessed person and um, the, the, the demon immediately recognizes Jesus. And, 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 and there are several times that Jesus actually rebukes others saying like, oh, you say that I am Lord, whoop-de-doo, right? <laughs> Even the demons acknowledge as much. 
It's just interesting. I have no larger point than that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and he's and but he calls him Jesus, Son of the Most High God. You know, it's often some um, a, a charge that's often leveled at Mark's gospel uh, from kind of textual critics or or um, biblical critics who who are interested in. Um, stealing away from Jesus's divinity, um, that, that Jesus' divinity is, isn't really in Mark. And every time I read passages with high Christology in Mark, I want to like find a liberal textual critic and like shake them and point them at this passage. And this is one of those. Jesus, son of the most high God. All right. Um, I adjure you by God, do not torment me. And Jesus has like a very to the point exorcism, which I guess you can if you're God, right? Come out of the man, unclean spirit. And then the, I have a question for you. He, then he asks him a really interesting question, Christopher. He asks him, what is your name? Why that question? Is it just to move the story along? <laughs> because then we get a really spooky answer, right? We get, yeah. my name is Legion. Do you, have any, do you have any sense for why that question? Yeah, uh, that's, that's, a, that's a good question. Uh, and... Several scholars talk about the uh, significance of a name and even how Jesus gave new names to many of his disciples. Um, and uh, it, and it, some talk about the sequence of events where he, he demands that the spirit come out of the man. Uh, and, it, and it's perhaps necessary, like perhaps that, did, that wasn't sufficient, that he had to to know the name and by, by wielding the name of this demon, he was able to, to, mm. to cast it out. So th there, there are a number of different uh, things here. Um, yeah, there is an ancient sense um, that names hold power, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We get that both in, 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 in the great religions and also sort of in, in paganism as well. Right. If you know the name of something, there's, there's a certain summoning power, power over it. Okay. And some find uh, significance, and again, this is not Mark making things up. This is Mark deciding what to include. Um, like we believe that, that that this is a reliable account of Jesus, um, but to a a persecuted church, a church persecuted by Romans, um, we uh, they would have seen the, the the term legion, and they would have thought of a uh, like that, that's like a division of Roman right. infantry, right? Of uh, Roman legion. Um, and uh, so seeing this legion, 2,000, um, uh, enter the pigs, numbering about 2,000 and um, rushed into the sea, um, get comfort in the God. 6,000 uh, soldiers in a legion. Yeah. S seeing... Um, like there's a parallelism to to um, being the people that are persecuting them, and and one of the one of the commentaries even talked about um, a like first century um, battle where uh, some some uh, Roman legionnaires were like plunged into the sea and died, and mm. uh, like that that um, he he may have included the story not because it didn't it happened, but he may have included this story as, as a comfort to the early church that was being persecuted to say, oh. ah, like the same God who calms the sea and the storm is with you while you're being tormented by these legions of, of foreign troops. Right. Okay. So then he, uh, he begs him earnestly not to send them out of the country. 
And there's this herd of pigs feeding on the hillside, which this, I've never had an adequate answer for this. Um, he says, mm. oh, let me enter into the pigs. Let us enter them. And Jesus gives them permission and they enter the pigs. The pigs are, there are about 2,000 pigs. So, you know, four to 6,000 mm. demons rushing into 2,000 mm. pigs and they rush down the embankment and they drown in the sea. So um, why let them, why did he let them enter into the pigs? Because they're unclean animals? Whose pigs are these? Why are they pigs in the first place? Pigs are, are, are notoriously unclean and have kind of no part in, um, in Hebrew or Jewish life. Um, is the clue that this is the, the, the region of the Gerasenes, which would have been the Southeast side of the Sea of Galilee, the other side of Jordan, would this have been a less uh, Jewish area? Um, is this Jesus kind of um, kind of cleansing an unclean area of an unclean animal, or is that or are those poss all possible overreadings? Yeah. Uh, so th this was a Gentile area. Okay. So we, we see at so the take end that here, Gentile pigs. <laughs> we, we see <laughs> at the end literally here, literally and figuratively, that, that this 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 man uh, healed and restored. Uh, goes out into the Decapolis. Ah, there's a clue there, Decapolis. Yes. And um, even if you don't know language, you know that that means the 10 cities, right? Right. And it um, sounds and pretty so, darn Greek too. Yeah. So it doesn't have yeah, a exactly. name, it has a Greek name, yeah. Right, yeah. And so this, this was a, these were Greek colonies. Um, and so this is not, uh, the other side of the Sea of Galilee was, was not um, Jewish country. As, as we know, you know, you had Judea, you had Samaria, um, and then you had, so Samaria was kind of like these, Syncretist, Syncretist, yeah, yeah. kind of <laughs> uh, ethnically kind of like homogenous. Uh, I'm like not homogenous, so like they're, they're kind of, uh, yeah, I, like they're, they're, they're like the Jews were supposed to remain like, right, not not marry outside, and, and the Samaritans right. did, and right. and and uh, so they're like ethnically mixed, and um, but then we have like these other areas outside of those, um, and so this would be like a fully Greek. Um, culture, yeah. you know, of course, in a Roman world, because we know that the Greeks ruled the Mediterranean world before the Romans did. And so, yeah. so that, that, that's where he is. And we have evidence of that, um, not only in the presence of pigs, which are unclean, no, like that's when you, if, if you didn't know otherwise, you knew you're in Gentile country when you have herds of pigs, no Jew would have a herd of pigs. Um, you also know that like, there's a man, uh, this is supposed to have shock value that a man's hanging out in the tombs. Right. Uh, that would be unclean. Like no, no good Jew yeah. would hang out in tombs. I mean, they would go to. Um, There's a bunch yeah. of mosaic violations here. Right. What you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and um, so the point isn't necessarily like I, I understand like most readers today kind of get caught up in like, well, why would Jesus cause the death of pigs? Um, and uh, it's it's less about the pigs and more about the kingdom of God and the and the breaking in of, of that. Um, yes. The, the God's rule, um, face to face with like Rome, with face to face with, with evil. They, 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 like God prevails. Yeah. Yep. Um, God's unclean legions, um, or I'm sorry, Rome's unclean legions um, are going to get swept into the sea. Yeah. So after that, the herdsmen like run away and they tell the story because it's a crazy story. And then people come out to see what happens. And um, they see Jesus and the formerly possessed man sitting there. And now he's at clothes and he's kind of rational um, talking. And uh, they describe to them, um, they kind of tell these crowds 
the, the, the witnesses tell the crowds what had happened. And uh, the reaction is to tell Jesus to leave, right? <laughs> like, you, this is weird. I don't know what's happening. You, you, you probably need to leave. So he gets back in the boat. Because like you said, he's on the Gentile, the side of um, the Sea of Galilee. Uh, and uh, the, the formerly possessed man says, can I come with you? And Jesus says, no. And then this is what's interesting, Christopher. He says, um, go, go home and tell your friends how much the Lord has done for you and how he has mercy on you. And forgive me, I think we can probably universalize this to us, right? Um, uh, if we are grateful to Jesus and we just wish we could, we could be him right now, <laughs> um, there's a sense where, well, no, we still have, we still have um, untended things to do this side of Jordan to mix, <laughs> to, 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 to use that <laughs> metaphor, right? Right. On, on our side of Jordan, right? Um, before we get to land on Canaan's side, as the great hymn, Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah, that last verse, when I tread the verge of Jordan, land me safe on Canaan's side, metaphor for, for death and resurrection, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, just as the, uh, in Exodus, Joshua led, um, led the Hebrews across into, into um, Canaan. Anyway, um, we, uh, this, this, we could um, probably take this for ourselves, right? How um, to tell others how much the Lord has done for us and how he's had mercy on us. Yeah. Um, I think of um, unusually this year into ordinary time, we continue to sing the Kyrie. It's just kind of through attrition. It's just kind of stayed in the bulletin. And when you sing something, it's more likely to lodge itself in your brain. And um, someone recently said to me that, that he is constantly pray singing to himself that Lord have mercy upon us, Christ have mercy upon us, Lord have mercy upon us um, because of that. Yeah. So what could we do? Tell others how much the Lord has done for us and how he's had mercy on us. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I guess, uh, let me ask you this. Let me put you on the spot and ask you a question. Oh, oh gosh. Okay. What happened to the whole idea of the messianic secret? Right? <laughs> yeah, unusually in Mark, there's not the, um, the admonition, tell no one what you saw. Yeah, and so we, we can't know for certain, but, but um, my estimation is that like in Gentile territory, um, there's, there's no fear of like misunderstanding. Like, uh, so the reason for the messianic secret, the reason Jesus uh, admonished people is, is like they expected something different with the Messiah mm, and he right. had to teach them first what he was going to do that, that his version of being the true Messiah is, is to in fact um, be an offering for the sin of the world. Um, not, and not a, a, a conquering King who is going to, um, he wasn't a political uh, hero. So I think it's, right. uh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I thought this was an interesting insight that one scholar made that, 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 it, of of these people who had just witnessed the power of God, so okay, so there's there's a financial ramification to like losing two thousand, like that's a big that's a big uh, flock herd of of pigs, and uh, so there's that that maybe people were irked by, but also just like you would have thought that someone wielding that sort of power would be deserving of of their worship, right? Mm-hmm. And this one scholar says, he says, we modern readers are fooling ourselves if we think that we, by contrast, would like having Jesus around. We do Ooh. not understand Mark's picture of him until, unless we recognize that he is 
terrifying. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's easy to be like, oh, well, like, why didn't they just, like, realize, no, like, Jesus was disruptive. He was terrifying. Like, he, he, he uh, spoke a very subversive message, and um, we, we need to understand that, I think. Yeah. Any, any final thoughts on what we had hoped to be an abbreviated <laughs> episode, but is gone 50 minutes? No, let's pray. Let's pray. The Lord be with you. And with your Let spirit. Let us pray. Lord of all power and might, the author and giver of all good things, graft in our hearts the love of your name. Increase in us true religion. Nourish us with all goodness and bring forth in us the fruit of good works. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Lighten our darkness, we beseech you, O Lord, and by your great mercy, defend us from all perils and dangers of this night. For the love of your only Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. Amen. Next week, Kirk. I'm off to Disney. Next. Yeah.